Hey, Gorge. How are you? Hello, lovely. I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm great. I bet you're wonderful. Am I? I'm one year older. Am I really that much? <laughs> yeah. Really I guess. It's fine. Yeah, because it was fucking Amy motherfucking Traden's birthday. <laughs> um. So I don't know if you know this. You're born shortly after a federal holiday, which means the <laughs> post office is <laughs> fucked. So I have half of your gift. Do you? Because I'm still waiting on the other fucking half of it that I ordered I before your birthday. Of course, because you're course. amazing. So do you want the first half or do you want to wait on the full situation? I leave it up to you. I don't mind waiting for presents. So I'll, I'll give you the first half. Oh my gosh. Okay, yay. It's time for presents, you guys. Present time. Oh my God, and it's wrapped so beautifully in this like- She is lying. It is not wrapped lie. beautifully. I've looked it over now. She's right. Okay. I see no, it's, it's trash-tastic. No. <laughs> it's wrapped. I only period. say that because anyone who knows me knows I am a fucking OCD freak about wrapping things. So <gasps> <laughs> she knows me so well. Oh my God, I'm so excited right now. <laughs> Uh, is this a bag as big as my head full of Sour Patch Kids? Uh, yes, it is. That's part of it. There's another thing in there. There's another thing in here? Oh my God. I can't even <laughs> handle my life right now. This is the cutest fucking thing ever. Is this a Julie? It's the new line. Oh my God. You guys. <laughs> okay, her new line is amazing. Julie Malo is apparently doing like little coin purses. Yeah. And this one is pink glitter with a gold snake on it. And it's fucking amazing. You love uh, a snake. I love a snake. I'm fucking obsessed already. I kind of can't handle my life right now. I'm not going to lie. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. I can't wait for you to see the other thing oh my God, when I'm it sure comes. It's going to be amazing. It's showing up tomorrow. So, really? <laughs> Of course. Of course. Of course it is. This is fucking so cute. Julie also just like nailing it. Girl. The fucking coin purse. It's so cute. It's I can't so handle cute. It. It's the perfect size too. And she just got a new um, distributor for her the vinyl, so it's like like a nice like thick. And it's made in the USA. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, and it's like good. Like it's <gasps> thick. It's nice. I love this so much. Thank you so much. I'm you know so me glad. so well. This is literally perfect. I'm so glad. Am I gonna eat my body weight in Sour Patch Kids later? Uh, <laughs> yes, I am. Thank you. <laughs> No, Amy's literally drinking a, a sour beer. I know you love your sour. I love my sours. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. It's my fucking favorite. I got you. <sighs> You're so good. This is so amazing. <laughs> it's actually been so long since I've had Sour Patch Kids too, so I'm like extra excited about this. Fuck yeah. You're just lovely. Thank you're you fucking so lovely. Happy and birthday. You, thank you. You don't have to give me anything. You're I know, so but I want to because you're like my fave and I'm you're my partner in true crime. Oh my gosh. You're my partner in true crime. Yeah. I love you so much. Thank you so much. You're amazing. I adore you. I adore you. Happy birthday, my thank love. Thank you. Do you want to talk about what you did for your birthday? Oh, shit. I guess I can. Yeah. I guess anyone wants to know. Uh, I went axe throwing in Brooklyn. Oh, shit. Fuck yeah. Because apparently you can just go throw hatchets while you drink alcohol in Brooklyn. Because that seems wise. America, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, it actually was amazing. I was, I think, pretty good, all things considered. Fuck I don't yeah. want to say, it's almost like I didn't get a bullseye technically, but I feel like Overall, statistically, I did hit the target the most out of my group. Girl, zombie apocalypse, watch the fuck out. Girl. Amy Traden's coming for you. 
I'm not gonna lie, they made me go first because it was my birthday. So like when they were like, oh, do you like the test there? They're like, you go up, volunteered me. And I was like, oh fuck, I'm gonna embarrass myself. Like, oh, I hate like the pressure on me. Like I'm dreading all of this. And then I fucking nailed my first two shots and I was like, oh, okay. And then I think everyone saw me and was like, oh, okay. It's actually like much easier than it seemed. <laughs> and then everyone who went after me like fucked up so badly. And I was like, I actually looked amazing right off the bat. I'm not gonna lie. Boom. Yeah. That was a lot of fun though. So if you have the opportunity to go anywhere where you can just like throw hatchets at a wall, uh, definitely fucking do that. It was so Fuck much yeah. fun. And then of course I had to go see Black Widow, obviously. Got to. Because it came out on my birthday and Black Widow's the fucking tits. How was it? new Marvel movie. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. Amazing. Amazing cast. I mean, it's hard to go, I'm going to admit, it's hard to go from Loki with like weird time travel just like craziness to basically what was like run of a the mill great action movie yeah uh we had a fucking great time and i i really liked it amazing yeah i also went to the movies for the first time in a year and oh, a half shit. you did not see black widow what did i you did see? not yeah. i saw in the heights oh shit how was that it was really beautiful okay uh if you're not aware it's uh lin-manuel miranda uh wrote and starred in in the heights on broadway like 12 years ago. Uh, so this predates Hamilton and basically uh, the success of In the Heights is what gave him the capital and the name to do something like Hamilton. Oh, okay. So now they, so uh, unlike the Hamilton movie, this is actually like a movie movie. Um, so even though it's a musical, like it is not a stage, it's not a, a recording of a stage performance. It's a, and it's very beautifully shot. It's uh, really well acted and it was really lovely. So if that's kind of your jam, uh, check it out. It's about these people in this community in Washington Heights and what life is like there. Amazing. Yeah. Is it a contemporary thing or is it set in a... Yeah, era? it's contemporary. Okay. And uh, it's funny because uh, Christina told me, because uh, it was I don't know if it's still on HBO, but it was on HBO before it came out in the movies. Okay, yes. And Christina's fiance, well, he didn't grow up in Washington Heights. He grew up in like a similar neighborhood okay and she was like hey like we're gonna watch in the heights right now and he was like oh fine but he was like oh my god this is exactly what it was like oh my god there's this and this and this oh my god oh my god this is exactly what it was like um so sweet yeah yeah it was really and it's funny because that's that was not at all my upbringing yeah at all but it was really lovely and and it's a thing that when something's a musical it more so than a, a just a regular movie, it for me it translates to like a stage performance. Like I I understand it more to be like a a play stage performance more than just like watching a movie. Yeah. So it's that thing that I got emotional watching it of like I want to be on stage. When am I gonna be on stage? I'm yeah. Just performing. Aww. Um. Even just to watch it, it's very beautifully shot. Okay. It it's excellently directed. Uh, it was very enjoy. I really much enjoyed it. I will have to check it out. Yeah. Also, uh, a thing that I would like to address, we've gotten multiple DMs about this, and I just wanted to address it because we misspoke in a previous episode. Oh, no. And so I just wanted to set the record straight that croissants (laughs) and crescent rolls are actually not the same thing. (laughs) I I straight up (laughs) lied to you guys. We just didn't know. Pillsbury, yeah, has apparently brainwashed me. I didn't realize. Paul Hollywood would be so disappointed in me. (laughs) So uh, here's one DM. uh, One of many, I'm sure. uh, 
More than one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's hilarious to me is that apparently I'm the only person who didn't know that those were two totally different things. Apparently this seems like it's pretty common knowledge. That, I was yeah. not aware of this. I was just like, oh, are they the same thing? And then you said it. I was like, oh, okay, sure. It's going to be all about the layers, of course. Yeah, of course. So um, this is a DM from Hallie. Hey, girl. Hey. Thanks for writing us. She says, listened to the latest episode and had some input because I'm a baker. I know it is silly, but croissant and crescent rolls are different. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Croissant is a laminated dough with multiple layers of butter and dough alternating with over a hundred layers in the end product. Holy fuck. A hundred layers. What is that? Like 10 or something. But there you go. Crescent rolls only have one layer of dough with butter. Love you, ladies. Hope I'm not annoying about this. I love that so much. For sure. I didn't fucking know. Uh, This is like how I felt when uh, my friend told me that red velvet cake and chocolate cake are basically the same thing. Yeah. It's food coloring. It's food coloring. It used to be, I believe, with beets. Oh. Colored with beets. And that was part of the reason. Do you want a beet cake? I can't fuck with a beet. I'm sorry. I love a nice beet. I can't. I know it's like the new thing and like I've had borscht and whatever and I'm like, I just can't so, do this. So I kind of get that. Cooked beets are a little much. I actually, one of my favorite things was a, my mom and I used to get this CISA, which is like, um, like a co-op, like a vegetable co-op thing. And you like sign up for it monthly and like every, oh week, yeah, yeah. I can't remember if it was monthly or weekly going in a big box of whatever they had grown. Right. So sometimes you would get stuck with stuff you didn't really like know what to do with right. so sometimes they would give us a fuck ton of beets and we'd be like what the fuck are we gonna do with these beets so you can make like this shredded raw beet um slaw almost where it has apple cider vinegar and salt and pepper and it's basically just the beets and then you like put that on salad it was fucking amazing my mom and i ate like pounds of beets which i never eat beets never ate beets before in my life and like we were so obsessed with this slaw that you would just put on a salad that we were literally like every week we were like, I hope there's beets in there so we can make the beets law. Like literally never in my life. I'm telling you, rethink your beets, lady. All right. Noted. There you go. Back to the crescent rolls and the croissants. This they're is different a, things. They're different things. And we're sorry. Apologies. My, it's my crescent correction. I knew you would love that. I am obsessed with it. <laughs> I knew you would like that. The crescent correction. The crescent correction. I love it. Um... I also am just obsessed that you guys message us about this because yeah. you guys know, we don't fucking know. I don't know. I love how smart and varied all of our listeners are that like. That the baker's like listening to true crime while she's kneading her dough and also like, being hey, like, hi, by no, the way, thanks. Not the same. So I'm sorry about that. We did- I'm sorry. You didn't say that. I said that. <laughs> she's apologizing for me. I'm ashamed because of how many hours of the Great British Bake Off I've watched that it's it's That's actually true. I yeah, have not watched a second I, of it. I have watched and rewatched a lot of it, and I probably should have known that. Yeah, I haven't watched any of it. Oh, it's so good. I just if you ever need just like a fluff, happy thing to put on in the background, it's so good. It's so comforting. It's not like an American competition show. Like everyone actually just like genuinely wants everyone to do really well, and like. They'll help each other out and like... This is the one where they like get a plate at the end, no? Yes. I, I can't fuck with this. They get a, they get a <laughs> crystal cake platter and that's literally all they win and bragging rights. And it's still, it's such an amazing show. Show me the cash, baby. 
<laughs> Show me the money. No, we get the plate, the cake platter. So is that it? I don't think I have anything else. So are you ready for the big reveal? <gasps> I'm so motherfucking ready. <laughs> Queen Grace <laughs> is in the motherfucking building. <laughs> <laughs> for real. In person. In person. Live. It's true. Yes. yes. It's true. I came all the way out to New York to be here. Yes. yes. Grace, welcome. We're so excited. It was, it was a good excuse for a vacation. I decided to come out to the East Coast and meet all my internet friends. Fuck yeah. So. Yes. <laughs> of which we are too. Yes. So. Yes. Exactly. yes. You guys are my favorite internet friends. Yay. <laughs> well, we're so happy you came all this way. Thank you. Henry yeah. says hi. Henry. Henry. <laughs> We're sad you're not here, but you're with us in spirit. Yeah, I make him listen to all of the episodes in which you guys mention him. And he is delighted. He's utterly delighted, which is funny because he's a very stoic person. Mm. And so it's like when... when Like the smile spreads across his face when they're like, Henry! President, vice president of the Henry Fan Club! I, I really hope you make this t-shirt. <laughs> right? Girl, I'm fucking ready. I'll wear it. Hell yes. yes. <laughs> Same. Oh, I'm thinking. Like we're, we're, She's we're got it designed. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We're, we're, we're talking that shit over. Because I know there are several listeners who have messaged us saying that they would absolutely wear a Henry t-shirt. So. Hell yes. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Henry. And, oh God, the photo that I sent you guys, he was not, he had no idea what I was doing. <gasps> I'm like, hey! And he turns and Look looks at me. at me and I'm like, click! And I'm... Looks and adorable. so he just he kind of adorable. has like this what the fuck is going on expression on his face in that photo. <laughs> that's my favorite kind of expression. Well, if Henry wants, Henry's allowed to have a photo of his choosing for the t-shirts. So yes. You can let him know. That. I wonder if we could get one of his old like uh, <gasps> marine. I was like, going to say his like military photos. The military photos. His like sploosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And on the back it can say if you don't get the fuck out of here right now I'm going to beat the shit out of you. <gasps> <Yes>. <laughs> Oh my god, I love that so much. Obsessed. So fun. Oh my god, that's so, so good. <laughs> so good. So, okay, so for those of you who have never listened to us, Grace is our resident medical examiner and often contributor to the podcast. Yes. And what podcast is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a <laughs> Thank you for reminding us, Grace. Oh. There you go. You guys always forget. We We always forget. forget. I am a regular listener and I know this. (laughs) Because you're listening to it and we're just talking bullshit is the thing. Yes. Before we get into this, there are things that I brought for you guys. (gasps) What? Stop. First of all. You brought yourself. You didn't have to bring us anything. No, I brought stickers. (gasps) I don't know if you saw these on Instagram. Oh my God, I did. I'm so So, obsessed. Pigs for the win. Pigs for the win. For the win. Yes. So the story behind that, I don't remember if you guys were there for the clubhouse meeting. Um, So on the app clubhouse... um, I became Instagram friends with uh, Elise Gray, who is autopsy.pathology on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And she is a pathology assistant. Okay. And we decided we were going to start this clubhouse thing. And it's basically a room in which a whole bunch of people who are in law enforcement or death investigation or nursing or whatever just kind of get together and shoot the shit and talk shop. And that's, that's, that's Thursday cool. nights, right? That's Thursday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And it's called the Y Incision. The Y Incision. So if you're on Clubhouse, jump on it because it's fascinating <laughs> as fuck. Yeah. 
W H Y. Yeah, the Y incision. And we have uh, like a homicide detective that regularly shows up. His name's Adam. And a couple of other death investigators like me, uh, Casey, and uh, a couple more that have joined recently. But there was this one day when we decided that we were going to have a discussion about everything that... Well, we decided to have a discussion as to the best way to dispose of a dead body. Mm-hmm. Okay. And after extensive debate, um, we actually struck upon the fact that pigs are, in fact, the best way to dispose of a dead body. Yes. Because it's like it's it's like they're like wood chippers. I mean, they'll eat yeah, everything, everything and then they digest it and it's gone. And I've had some people say, well, what about like the Dexter method of like cutting them up and throwing them in the ocean? And it's like, they're still, ah, they're still kind of intact. And so it's like when, when a pig eats a body, it's it's demolished and digested. And so, yeah. And they really eat everything like down to everything, like, everything. I mean, they'll eat like belt buckles. Oh, <laughs> yeah. shit. They will, yeah, they'll, they'll polish it off. And so... Yeah, and when we finally, you know, came to that consensus, uh, Elise yelled, pigs for the win! And I was like, oh my god, Amazing. I'm putting that on a sticker. And so we made it's pigs perfect. for the win stickers. I it's love it so much. super cute. I love it. Thank um, you so much. Thank you so much, well, yeah. And also, I have, because I never forgot this, that you guys did the uh, the Bridget Bishop. Yeah. The, and I remembered that she, she stole spoons, and I was like, I'm going to steal spoons and send them to you guys. You did so, not. I brought you some spoons. That's hysterical. <laughs> some illicitly acquired spoons. I'm not telling you where I got them. <laughs> but I was like, these are fun. These so are amazing. So cute. I'm obsessed. I love so, them. Stickers oh and God. spoons. They're long. They're good for like getting peanut butter out of the bottom yeah, of the jar. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I remember when we did that episode that you messaged us being like, I think Bridget Bishop is my hero. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's like she was taking no shit and she was stealing everyone's spoons, apparently. Fuck yeah. Oh my god, I love it. Grace, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, And your logo is fucking awesome, by the way. Oh, that was, yeah, that was done by a friend of mine in town. Really, really well done. Absolutely beautiful. Dead Man's Donuts. Yeah. Follow her on Instagram if you are not already, which you should be. You should be. Absolutely. How did you come up with Dead Men's Donuts? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, first of all, like I want to explain that there are a lot of nuances to being a medical examiner or part of a medical examiner system mm-hmm. or a coroner system because there's, unless you're actually working in it, you don't need to know these things. Right. But I always feel compelled to kind of explain to people that according to the available definitions, I'm not a medical examiner because that implies that I am actually a forensic pathologist and a forensic pathologist is actually an MD, they're a doctor. And they've done like eight years of residency and a billion different things and they're way smarter than I am. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, those are the people that actually do autopsies and testify in court and sign death certificates, et cetera, et cetera. Um, a more accurate term for what I am is a medical legal death investigator, uh-huh. which means that I'm like, because there's a massive shortage of forensic pathologists in America, mm-hmm. medical legal death investigators or MDIs, it's like we kind of act as the eyes and ears of the doctor at the scene. And so what we do is like, we do the scene investigation, we go to where people die or, you know, we collect medical records, we interview people, we 
sift through people's shit, which is the most fun ever. Don't let anyone tell you different. (laughs) It's like going through everyone's drawers. You're just like, yeah, 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 yeah. What am I going to find? Oh my God. So many, so many dildos. Oh shit. Oh my God. Yeah. Everyone has so many fucking dildos. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, they don't even, they don't even register anymore. It's just like, yep. Dildo. Is that another thing I have to be worried about when I die? It might be. Because yeah, it's like, I can't talk. We go through everyone's bedside table because we're looking for the guns and the drugs yeah, and we find the dildos it's like that's where they are what is their access was there ever a scene where you're like this is an uncomfortable amount of dildo yes <laughs> oh yes god. oh my gosh so i'm writing a blog post about that right now oh my god and it's about oh my god we were on this scene and it was so great it was the greatest moment of my life it wasn't <laughs> really but it was it was so funny and it's sad because somebody died but it was so funny yeah um it was this this guy that had killed himself in his girlfriend's apartment. Oh. Yeah, and it's just whenever somebody like kills themselves either in front of like they do it at an inconvenient place and time, which is kind of an odd thing to say about suicide. It's like your suicide is so inconvenient. But right. it's like I there are times that, yeah. where people commit suicide and they do it in such a way that it's like they're weaponizing their death. Yes, hundred And they're just it's like, like emotional it, manipulation. Yeah, it's yeah. a total fuck you. And that's what happened here. And basically this guy shot himself in the head and we all go in there. And fortunately there were no witnesses, you know, it's, it was late at yeah. night and suicides don't really catch a lot of publicity. And so it's like, you don't sure. have to worry about a ton of people showing up. You don't have to worry about the media showing up, you know, no matter what you see on television, it's like, nobody cares. Right. Yeah. So we walk in there and there, it was, it was so funny cause I had this huge audience there were like three deputies, there were two detectives, there were a couple of chaplains. Wow. Apparently okay. there was nothing going on that night. Uh-huh. And um, there was like a dispatcher was doing a ride along, so they were there too. Mm-hmm. And so there were like eight people in this. But most importantly, there was a, a sheriff's deputy recruit, mm-hmm. uh, people who I re- like to refer to as coplings. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's so cute. cute. Look at the little copling. copling. Yeah. And he had been told, as is often the case, uh, they don't get a ton of like death investigation instruction Ah. at the academy because they're so busy. Like, here's when you draw your gun. Here's when you don't draw your gun. Here's, you know, case law and all of this other stuff that death investigation is kind of like, well, when you go on a death, we'll kind of explain to you how it works. Uh, and most of the time, the person that ends up explaining this to them is me because they're just like, oh, look, it's a death. There's the medical examiner. Go listen to her. Yeah. You're up. And, and, <laughs> and so um, I flagrantly abuse this position when that happens <laughs> because nothing makes me happier than abusing the police except for maybe abusing the fire department. Anyway, <laughs> um, so they shoo this little coppling and they're like, go listen to the medical examiner, do everything that she says. And so I've got this kid and he looks like he's 12. Oh. I mean, he looks so young and he's got the bright, shiny badge yeah. and the, oh. the crisp uniform and he's wearing his, his vest and he's got all of his stuff. And it's like, it's oh, got a princess, my first yeah. day. Yeah, <laughs> it's like his mom is so proud of him. And this guy kills himself sitting on a futon underneath which is a milk crate that has like four dozen dildos oh, in it. Shit. So many dildos. Four dozen? So many. They were just like they were in every shape and size you can imagine. Wow. And, oh my god. And the Wait, thing like is, the 
Because they make like weird animal ones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I mean, it's like these two were into all kinds of freaky shit because it's like they had sex toys everywhere. All right. Um, and you, no shame, but, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> it's just like, I'm, I'm sex positive in that yeah. it's like, I fully support consenting adults having whatever kind of sex they want to have with Amen. other consenting mm-hmm. adults. But, but except the fact that the medical examiner might, yeah, I mean, just understand somebody's going to see that like, <laughs> someday. I mean, I don't know if enough people are doing the math on this. That's 48 dildos, people. Well, I mean, I might, I don't know how many dildos fit in a milk crate, but it was full. A lot. (laughs) Yes. More than the average person has. I was dying. And I'm looking at this milk crate of dildos and I've got this little cop next to me and I'm like, this is going to be awesome. And so I've got like, like, get in here. Right. I'm like, come on, here we go. And we've got like all these people watching because I have a reputation for putting on something of a show. And so I start talking to him and I start taking him through like, okay, here, this is a dead body. This is, you know, this is what we suspect happened. And this is why we have to check and make sure that it's like, there's some kind of contentious relationship here. We have to make sure it's not actually a homicide that's been designed to look like a suicide yeah. and so on and so forth. And Does that happen So often? not really, right. um, not nearly as much as CSI would have you believe. <laughs> um, Damn. Damn it. I know, Damn. right. It's, yeah. it's so disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I'm I this, like sitting there next to me and I will freely admit that like the first time you ever see a gunshot wound to the head, oh. it is just, it jarring, is, jarring, it yeah. is a jarring experience. Yeah. yeah. And you're just like, Oh, God, I'm looking at their brain. You know, it, yeah. it's really, it can be very yeah. intense. Sure. Um, sure. And I would imagine that it doesn't, it might not necessarily look how you you thought it would. Yeah, the Hollywood like, version. That's one of those things that I like. I remember when I finally watched the the JFK assassination footage. Mm-hmm. That the thing that was so jarring to me is that it didn't look how I thought it would have. Mm-hmm. To the point that there was like a disconnect that my my brain was like, "That's not real." What you're seeing yeah. isn't real. And that's, I think that's the thing is it's like the um, like Hollywood has gotten really really good. Yeah at presenting these things more accurately. And so I think what was really cooking this guy's noodle is that he's looking at it and it's registering that this actually is real. Yeah. You know, (laughs) that that is a person, that these are brains, that is blood. And nothing communicates that to you more than the smell. Oh, Oof. yeah. Um, and that's visceral. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And even like with a fresh wound, as opposed to like a decomp. Obviously, the smell of decomp has its is a very intense odor. Yeah. Yes. But also, like the first time that you ever smell like a really large wound, like a lot of blood, Oof. it has a very distinct smell. And I mean, brain Beyond just like copper. Yeah, like yeah. And brain matter copper. also has its own smell. And so it's really? like, yeah, gunshot wound to the head, you you smell it. And it's it can be subtle. But okay. at the same time, it's like once you smell it enough, you know you it know. when you smell it. Yeah, interesting. Just like how like animal decomp is different from human decomp. Yeah. Uh, so you develop these, you know, different, you know, sensors or however you want to put it. And so I'm sitting there with this kid and, you know, we're, we're crouched down on the floor and he is locked in on the gunshot wound. You know, he's, he's 
Yeah. It's, it's like you can see he's having like an existential crisis while I'm talking to him, but he's also doing his best to make this whole sort of like, hey, I'm a cop now and I can handle this, you know, mm. kind of effect. And I'm yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> and so I start talking to him. I'm like, so what we want to do is we want to make sure that he doesn't have any other injuries that could possibly explain. And we also want to make sure and, um, check his arms to see if there are any defensive wounds in here hold this and then we also want to and so i just started like handing him dildos out of the crate and oh my he didn't that's, even that's realize hysterical. what was Amazing. happening and he looks down and he's like holding all these dildos and he's like what the fuck <laughs> and the entire room just like lost their minds everyone started laughing and it's like i mean it's it sounds incredibly inappropriate to say here but it's like you you have to find a way to live with the yeah. things that you see and sometimes you do it with dildos yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it was and the funny thing is is that that kid actually did a really good job in the field training program and right. a couple of years maybe a year ago i was just hanging out talking to some some officers you know in between calls and I didn't even remember him. And he walks up and he's talking to us and he's like, you handed me all of those dildos. And I'm like, oh shit, that was you? That's the dildo cop. Like, yeah, yeah, hysterical. yeah. It's the dildo that's cop. So funny. Yeah. Oh my God. That's hysterical. I so, love that. But yeah, so medical legal death investigators find stuff. We find stuff out. Find <laughs> we find your dildos. Yeah. <laughs> and, and anything else weird you keep in your oh my God, nightside drawer. So, so many weird stuff. Yeah. But yeah, and so it's like I have a background in emergency medicine and I have a background in human osteology, mm. but I'm not an MD. And so it's always important to, you know, because I feel like because people who become doctors put so much effort into it, it's sure. very important to specify when you're not a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to claim, you know, sure. <laughs> credentials that I do not have. Although every now and then someone does call me doctor and I kind of sit there and enjoy it for a split second before oh, saying that's, yeah. that's not, not, not a doctor. <laughs> How did you get into being a medical examiner? I was a shitty paramedic. <laughs> <laughs> did they keep dying on you? <laughs> You're like, I think I, I think it, there's a calling for me here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just got so used to everything going badly. Oh no. Um, no, no. Um so I, I decided that I wanted to become a paramedic after a really bad breakup. Okay. You know, and you have that moment of, I'm going to do something completely different. You'll never know. It's going to be, I'm going to be amazing and awesome and whatever. I mean, most women cut their hair and dye it purple, but you decided to become a paramedic. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. That's, and, that's much more impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it wasn't that impressive because it, I wasn't great at it. I was, I was not great at it. Was Ask it, any of my coworkers, they'll tell you. Um, <laughs> was it just like the rest of it? Was it... Um, I was not good at navigating a lot of the interpersonal politics that were involved in okay. emergency medicine. And actually, a lot of the women on the Y incision, a lot of women who like have a background in emergency medicine, then they go into like the funeral industry, yeah. or yeah. they go into medical legal death investigation, and they go into whatever, they've all kind of had the same experience. In that, the way I describe emergency medicine is it's like this massive, vicious social experiment in which people are compelled to act out a junior high school drama while driving around in big vehicles and stabbing homeless people with needles. Holy shit. It's yeah. just like, there's there's a lot of infighting, there's a lot of politics, and there's a lot of... High stress. 
Yeah, and there's just a lot of nuances that I was really bad at. Mm. And uh, there was also a lot of sexual harassment when I was doing it. And knowing how to navigate that was a problem. And so as good as I was didactically in terms of like knowing, um, knowing the right thing to do and like knowing my pathophysiology and knowing medicine and things like that, I was not good at the practical application of that in a high stress environment, Mm -hmm. shall we say? Yeah. And that's the ultimate high stress environment. Yeah. 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 And so, um, part of the issue is like, you know, you learn how to do all these amazing things. It's like, yeah, I can, I can land an external jugular IV going 80 miles an hour in the back of an ambulance in the dark. It's like, yeah, sure. I can do that. But what was frustrating about that whole experience is it's like, you never used half the skills you were taught. Sure. Okay. Because it's like all you do, and especially in the city where I was working, all we did was drive around and pick up homeless people that were drunk. Yeah. Because they're they're passed out in the road. Somebody calls 911. We come and pick them up. We take them to the hospital. You know, we do an EKG. We give them an IV. They go to the hospital. They get a sandwich and some juice. And the next morning, they're let out again. Yeah. And so I can honestly count on... I would say one hand, but I'd probably need both by now. I can honestly count on two hands the number of people over the course of my EMS career that like legit needed an ambulance. Right. Wow. That's disheartening too. Yeah. 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 And when I did have a patient that was academically interesting, like, oh, this person has these symptoms. They have this history. This is super interesting you have them for 10 minutes and you never really find out what happened to them. Sure. You know, you yeah, dump them you off at the hospital off. and you're supposed to be able to ask for follow-up, but nobody ever follows up. You know, right. it's like, you're like, Hey, I sent an email to the EMS liaison and you never hear anything back. Yeah. And so I really kind of wanted something a little bit more complete. Yeah. And so okay. it's like, I always wanted to know the end of the story. Yeah. And so when, when I just had enough of EMS, I went back to school thinking that I would become either a forensic pathologist or an ER doc and realized pretty quickly that I did not have the passion to become an MD. Basically, um, my friend Chris said to me, he was like, you know, I was, do you think I would be a good doctor? And he was like, if you can think of anything else you want to do with your life, do that instead. Wow. Okay. I <laughs> say that to everyone who asks my opinion on whether they should go into the performing arts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anything else you could be happy doing, you should probably do that. Yes. Exactly. But if you get up every day and that's what you your soul tells you you need to do, then that means you should be doing it. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so I was I was going back to school thinking maybe I'll be a doctor. Right. And I ended up getting an internship with a medical examiner's office through the school. Oh, cool. Uh, in the city that I worked at, or in, in the city where I lived. And internships are kind of hard to come by. Um, it's not something that a lot of offices will do because they'll be inundated with like every nutbag that thinks they're Dexter yeah. is going to show up oh, and like God. want to see a dead body. Is that a thing? Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. People are, yeah. What yeah, it's like people fuck? that watch a lot of like, like I'm dark I mean, in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. I mean, I'm at a drive-through once. I, I was going through the drive-through and I had a dead body in the back of the truck. Oh my god! And, oh my god! Yeah, but I mean, it, that's 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 kind of like how most of my stories go. Is like, yeah. oh, I have this dead body in the back of my truck, and it sounds worse than it is. Right. But we do our own transport. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. do our own transports, and so you know, I go through a drive-through, and this girl is like, "Is there a dead body in there?" And I'm like. Maybe. Uh, yeah. 
Like, and I she's just can't like, buy chicken nuggets. Yeah, and yeah. she's just like, oh, I watch CSI. I can handle it. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sweetheart, you can, but okay, yeah. Hold this dildo. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, not a lot of places will do an internship, but I was I was lucky I got an internship. And I did one day uh, downstairs with the pathologists in the autopsy suite and was just sort of like, okay, you know, we're dismantling people, you know, we're field dressing people. That's interesting. And the first time you see an autopsy, you're just like, holy fuck, yeah. we're totally chopping this guy up. This is crazy. Yeah. But by the third one, you're just, it's, it's like, just like, normal now. Yeah. we are, we are weighing kidneys, you know, it's like, this yeah. is not interesting to me. And so I went upstairs and ended up finishing out my internship with the uh, scene investigators mm-hmm. and was like, oh my God, this is fantastic. I love it. Yeah. And so. What is it that you love about it? Oh God. I love finding things out. Yeah. You know, it's just like the puzzle solving aspect of it is a lot of fun. Was there ever like a scene that on its face looked a certain way and then through the, the puzzle solving it turned out to be something completely different oh yeah yeah absolutely absolutely the one that immediately springs to mind is uh i call it my first crucifixion submitted to us was it yeah, yeah. Oh, okay i couldn't yeah. remember yeah it's the guy that it's like we thought it was an electrocution and in reality, he died of positional asphyxia because he was suspended by his arms. Yeah. That yeah. was the, I didn't realize that was a thing until you told that story. And I was like, oh shit, you yeah. can literally just like die from having your arms in a certain position all the time. And you're like, well, yeah, if you're, yeah. if you're hanging and your feet aren't supported, absolutely. Crazy. Yeah. yeah I went to 11 years of Catholic yeah, school. Yeah. I was like, so I didn't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, like, I didn't know. I didn't know. Jesus. Died all... for our sins. Yes. Asphyxia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yep. Sometimes they died from blood loss. Sometimes they died from like whatever trauma they suffered. But a lot yeah. of times they died of asphyxia. Crazy. So, so crazy. That, that was weird where it was just sort of like, why is this guy hanging from the ceiling? Yeah. What happened here? Right. And so uh, let me think. I can't think of. I mean, this is this is the problem is people ask that question. And for the life of me, I can't think of one where I'm just oh, yeah. like. Well, I'm sure you've just been to so many scenes too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know maybe how many I scenes? I don't, been to? but including the internship, I've been doing this for about eleven and a half years. Oh shit! shit. And okay, so okay. that's yeah. And I mean, one day to another varies wildly. It's like one day you'll end up on five scenes, and another day you won't end up on any. And so it's hard okay. to say what that what those numbers like the average kind amount of to. Out to. So yeah. I was a big Six Feet Under watcher. And oh my God, me too. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Loved it. Just us talking about this, it reminded me of the episode where there's essentially like a dry spell of like no one's dying and like no one's coming to the, the funeral home. Yeah, and that happens. Does that, I was going to ask, does that happen where you're like just days on end, like there's no scenes, you don't have to go? I wouldn't say days on end, but it has happened where it's like I've gone 24 hours without getting called at all. Wow. Okay. And we, I mean, our, our, our county has a population of almost 700,000. Mm. And so us not getting called earlier in my career, I would be like, Oh, I wonder if the pager's broken. I'll call dispatch and have them send a test page and make sure that the pager isn't broken. And these days yeah. I'm like, it's fine. No one dies. Yeah. If something happens, they'll know they can find me. It's fine. Yeah. So it does happen though. The, the funeral homes actually complain about that sometimes. They're like, nobody's dying. And I'm like, that, well, maybe so, they just yeah. don't want to come here. Yeah, there are other options. It's always so interesting, the 
nuances of specific jobs. Like if you don't have like a regular office job, the like complaints or like the successes of your job can be very bizarre. Yeah. Like as an actor, you know, if you do like a dramatic scene and you like have people crying in the audience, you're like, fuck yeah, I made them cry. Whereas like if you were a doctor, you wouldn't be like, Gave them a cancer diagnosis. They cried. Fuck yes. yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. That's crazy. So to be like someone who, who runs a funeral home, be like, no one's fucking dying. What the fuck? <laughs> it's it's a very funny because it's very specific to that to them, business. Yes. Well, and that's the funny thing is like with Henry, there have been so many times where he has ended up on the craziest fucking scenes and we'll be having, you know, cigarettes and coffee during shift change. And he's like, oh yeah, I ended up on this scene and this happened. And I'm like, oh, I've never gotten a dismemberment. Man, (laughs) that's so disappointing. You get all the cool shit. What's the craziest scene you've ever been on? Oh, God. Um, mm. It's like, I'm sure that's a toughie. Yeah, Yeah. well, I mean, there's, it it depends on what flavor of crazy you're talking about. Whatever. Because it's like, they're, oh, God. I mean, it's not a good one. It's not a funny one. And so it's just sort of like, it doesn't need to be funny. Like, this is educational. Like, we're finding stuff out. Okay. Um, the best scene okay. that I was ever on was a young girl who um, had committed suicide. Mm. Um, but she hadn't. Oh, <laughs> shit. She's still alive. <laughs> what? Totally. Full body chills. Oh, man. It was just like, oh, Wait. God, we're in so much trouble. But yeah, that's what everyone else was thinking because I was like, woo! I don't have to write this case file. I'm out, bitches. Bye. <laughs> Holy shit. Does yeah. That so, I don't want to say it happened often, but like, do you ever get to a scene and you're like, this person actually isn't dead? N- no, but that's that's the. F- <sighs> okay, so Holy to be God. fair, I will often get called on people who are not yet dead. Oh. Um, but that's because people like, like nurses are trying to get ahead of the curve and they're like, I've got time. This person is circling the drain. I'm going to call the medical examiner now. And I'm like, look, if they're still alive, don't call me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, I don't, if if their, their vital signs are shit, you know, they're on hospice They're you know, you're, you're pumping them full of morphine. I don't care, you know, until their heart stops, do not call me. Yeah. Um, and also, same thing, it's like sometimes officers or um, the fire department will call me and be like, yeah, this person is on their way to the hospital, they're doing CPR, they don't look good, and I'm like, "Are, are, are they have they been pronounced <laughs> yet? And they're like, well, no, and I'm like, fuck off. Right. Um, because we just, we work, we have so much going on at any given moment that like being called on things that are not yet our problem is just like leave me the hell alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this situation, <laughs> shameless, shameless self-promotion. Yeah. Uh, this is a, this is a chapter in my book, which is going to be probably coming out in late 2021 or early 2022. Fuck yeah. That's amazing. Dead yeah. men's donuts, adventures in mortality. Fuck yeah. Is there like a, a pre-sale available? Uh, not here? yet. Okay. We're still, we're still haggling over the cover art. Cool. Okay. And so, <laughs> It's not happening yet, but a lot of stories um, show up on my blog, which is deadmansdonuts.com. Uh, this one is not there, but okay. basically this... Insider goss. Yeah, exclusive. yeah. Yeah, basically this girl, she had decided that she wanted to commit suicide, and she was found um, laying on the living room floor. Mm-hmm. And the officer that was called to the scene initially when her 
caretaker found her was just like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, because she had a history of like self-harm and suicidal yeah. ideation and stuff yeah. like that. He calls 911, an officer shows up, touches her, and she's cold, and to the officer's assessment, she didn't have a pulse. Uh-huh. Okay. And so the officer calls it in as a suicide and, you know, she's young and it's like, oh my God, this is... And so like the whole cavalry shows up. We've got like two detectives, four patrol officers, a chaplain, you know, it's like all these people show up and I'm almost the last person there. You know, I'm the last person yeah. that gets called. And so um, I walk in there and here's this girl laying on this living room floor and no, no, obviously no one's touching her and finding out because you just, you don't touch the body. Well, yeah, because at that point, once she's been pronounced, it's like no one has jurisdiction over, no one's allowed to touch that body until I get there because Correct. I have jurisdiction of the body. Right. And we drop the hammer on anybody that does. It's like, like when the fire department, somebody's clearly dead and they're like hanging, you know, uh, suicidal hanging. Sometimes the fire department, they're just uncomfortable with leaving them there. And so they'll cut them cut down, them down yeah. and we're like, don't do that. Right. Um, but here's this girl laying on the floor and I walk in there and, you know, they're telling me, oh, it's a suicide. And I'm just like, mm, is it though? Because it's like, she's laying in the middle of the living room floor. You know, she's wearing her shoes. You know, it's like, she's got a yeah. hoodie on. It was just like, this is weird. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, well, you know, she has all this history and blah, blah, blah. And so the way that I tend to, um, investigate a scene is I'll like start with like it's almost like a spiral it's like you know you hit everything on the outside and like work your way into the body sure and so it's like I want to see everything else before I look at the body and so they're like oh well you know she's got this history and nobody really knew what the means of her death was it's like nobody we couldn't find anything so you know yeah, usually it's like yeah there, there the was method you use to kill yourself like, yeah it's, it's gonna be out? around yeah. but we couldn't find any and so there was this assumption that she must have overdosed on something okay uh-huh. but nobody knew what and there weren't any prescription medications anywhere in the house mm-hmm. and you know we go into the the officers are like oh well we found a suicide note and i'm like oh okay well show me the suicide note and so we go into her bedroom and they pull out the suicide note that is a piece of paper that had clearly been like crumpled up and then spread back out again. Oh. And I'm like, Weird. what is that? Yeah. Huh. And I'm reading it and it's all of this, you know, oh, I'm so sorry and I just hate my life and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I wrote this in my own journal last night, you know, I'm just yeah. like, this is not impressive to me. And also it was like, and I said, well, where did you find this? And they're like, well, we found it in the trash. And I'm like, mm, most people who leave a suicide note don't usually crumple it up and put it in the trash. Uh, yeah. Not I'm great. just like, and especially you're just like, you she wants someone to, find, to yeah. find it. Right. And so, and then they start going through like her journal and it shows all of this. I hate myself and I'm not pretty enough. And you know, my life's it's a shit show. A, and being a teenage girl. It's called yeah. adolescence. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, t- admittedly she had a lot more against her than most people. And I don't want to like sure, of course. reveal too much, but at one point, one of the officers goes, man, I swear to God, she just breathed. <gasps> and I hear that from the Stop. other, like I'm in her bedroom when I hear them say that in in the living room and I'm just like what what <laughs> what <laughs> I go like running into the living room and I kneel down next to her and I roll her over and she's not rigored at all <gasps> and Holy she should God. have been she yeah. should have been rigored because 
By all reports, she hadn't been seen since like seven o'clock that morning and she had been found at roughly between like two or three in the afternoon and it was now like 4.30. Right. Oh, okay. Wow. And yeah. so it's like rigor tends to start, you, it starts showing, you know, fairly quickly. Like yeah. within an hour, hour and a half, you're going to start feeling some stiffening of the joints and she's not rigored at all. And... I roll her over onto her back and I go to take her pulse and she has a thundering radial <gasps> pulse. It is strong and it is fast. And I'm just like, oh fuck, oh fuck you guys, you guys, she has a pulse. And they're like, and every one of those officers, it's like all of them are just like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and so I actually, I keep a um, one way valve mask in my bag. Mm-hmm. Okay. On the off chance that this happens, this happened, yeah. <laughs> it's just like I never thought this would actually happen. And the funny thing is, is I start yelling at everybody. Somebody call nine one one. Somebody call out. And I realize I am yelling at a room full of uniformed cops on duty that they need to call nine one one. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We are nine one one. Hang yes. on. <laughs> We're here. Actually, yeah. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> call an ambulance. That's what we. Yeah. Somebody call an ambulance. And so I like do the sternal rub with my knuckles, you know, they're really, just really hard. And that shit will wake up anybody. I mean, Oh, interesting. It hurts like a bitch. I mean, if somebody is in any way like above comatose, you'll get a reaction. Even if it's just a groan or a rolling around. And so I give her, do you do do that just for a reaction of like, you're alive? Because it's not like a, well, no, I was trying to, I was trying to wait. No, I was not doing chest compressions because she had a pulse. There was no reason to. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hit her with a sternal rub and she's like, (gasps) and sits up and I'm like, oh shit. (laughs) So I basically just brought this girl back. Yeah. I'm just like, like, I'm awesome. (laughs) And I mean, I, I don't even know what to say to her. I'm just like, hey. You good? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my name's Grace. Hi. How you doing? Uh, what's yours? And she's a little spacey, but she's talking to me. Wow. And so I like my my 911 life like floods back and I start like assessing her for injuries and the fire department shows up and everyone's just standing around like they're made of stone. It's like everyone is just like, Holy fuck. Holy fuck. Yeah. Uh, even the fire department, they're just standing there looking at me and I'm like, hey, this is, you know, this is her name. This is how old she is. She was found, you know, unresponsive. She was awoken to painful stimuli. She's A and O times about two because she knows where she is, but she's not altogether sure what's going on. Mm. And we don't know about history, blah, blah, blah. And they're all just sitting there staring at me like I'm, like I have lobsters coming out of my ears. And I'm like, Hi, do your job. Take her to the hospital. (laughs) And yeah, and so. Did you ever end up finding out what that was all about? I did, but I'm kind of compelled to be like, I'm not going to tell you. You have to buy a book. Oh, yeah. You can do that. Let's just say she's good. Good. <laughs> Amazing. So if you want to know how the story yeah, ends, that's, buy Grace's book. Buy Grace's yeah. book when Dead it comes donuts. out. I'm a dick. Sorry. No. No. It's totally great. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But that was, that was probably like, that. that's definitely the best call that I've ever been on. Because I was, I was buried in paperwork that day. And so just like all of a sudden... I, I, I like, see, I'm like, like, I'm like yeah. stomping out to my car and I'm like, this is so not my problem. Oh my God. It's <laughs> like that, that sensation of something horrible happened. It's not my fault. Peace out, bitches. This is on yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, like something good came out of it. You thought someone was dead who then was not dead. Yeah. It's like yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's <laughs> not just the lack of paperwork, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, sometimes that does happen. 
Um, Easy. It's it's very, very rare. I think it happened recently in, like, I want to say Ohio, maybe Michigan. Okay. Where, like, some girl that had, like, long chronic problems and was obtunded at the regular, like, she was kind of comatose all the time. Right. Um, EMS came and pronounced her. And then, um, like, the funeral home came and got her. And when the funeral home had her, they realized she was still alive. Oh, my. I mean... That is like a. But, and the thing is, is she was okay. So yeah, it's weirdly, yes. she was she like was waking up in a morgue, or literally fucking insane. Home. Yes, no, but no. I mean, she was not conscious. She was, uh, like I said, she was obtunded, which means that she was she had decreased levels of like, like brain, response. Brain oh yeah, okay. of brain activity, and she was actually on hospice. Okay, uh, I was that almost vegetative or yeah. Okay. I mean, essentially, that's what happens. Okay, but still, it. I mean, I have no idea how that played out, but I just remember reading that article and being like, "Oh that's my god, so crazy!" Let I the was... ass covering contest commence, right? <laughs> and may the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, guys. But that's crazy. You said when you felt for her pulse, it was very strong, and, and that's was it like her pulse was very low when the cop felt it, and then something happened and it sped up or Honestly, was it maybe just they didn't I think cops are shit at taking pulses sometimes okay which in a, and I, I mentioned this like, is it's like are... it's not their job you yeah, know it's yeah. like they're asked to do way too goddamn much already yeah, and so sure. it's like We're expecting medical, yeah medical it's like expecting yeah. people who are not adept at finding pulses especially you know it's possible for someone to have a pulse and a beating heart, but because their blood pressure is so low, you can't feel it feel at their it, yes. wrist. You have to feel it at their neck. Uh, uh-huh, okay. And so it's, 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 you know, the fact, they're cold too. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I have profound sympathy for the officer that pronounced that girl because it's like, you're never going to live that down oh, right. yeah. in your professional career. And the thing is, is it's like, it is not their goddamn job to take pulses yeah. and pronounce people. It's mm-hmm. just not. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I have absolutely nothing bad to say about that officer. Cause yeah. it's just like, yeah, just not his job. Exactly. Not his job. And to hold that against him is yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, I've seen cops like fuck up things that are much worse than that and take no responsibility. Oh, <laughs> it's my. just yeah. like, I mean, just like any any profession, you know, there are there are assholes everywhere. So it's like right. all things considered, yes. it's like yes. that person mm, not the best look, but definitely not the worst I've ever seen. So you brought an iPad. I did. Yeah, it's, I did. Is there something so, you want to read from your blog or upcoming book? Yeah, I'm gonna read from the blog, and this is oh, a yeah. this is a, I think this is a, a blog post that's no longer available because I oh. usually take them down after a couple of months, just because at some point you know it's like there's if if the book does well maybe there will be another one, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so it's like I, I want to keep some stuff on reserve, but um, this story actually I love it because this. Intensely involves Henry. Yay! <laughs> Henry! Henry! <laughs> um, so my experience, it's like all three of us in my county, we all had our own individual experience with this call. <gasps> oh, shit. And it's definitely one of the weirder ones. And, you know, I want to be able to give you guys some broad strokes and some details, sure. but also it's like, obviously we don't want to, um, give too many specifics. Well, and also it's like, you know, what, person. what happened to the family and that person is really tragic. And sure, so it's yes. like, this is less about, Hey, we went on this really wild call, but it's more just, it's, it's kind of a, it's a good example of how 
the life of a medical legal death investigator kind of intertwines with the cases that they go on and how like these things kind of affect your life. Yeah, sure. And how you, how you, how you still, even though you have all of these, these, these strange occurrences, you're still kind of trying to exist in a meaningful way. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what happened with this case, uh, it was Henry's call. So Henry was on shift when this call came in. And, and apparently... It's only one of you on shift at a time? There's only one of us on shift at a time. Okay, cool. um, we recently got a chief deputy medical examiner. Okay. And so he is in the office sometimes. And sometimes, like, if we are having, having our asses handed to us, he'll go and, like, take a call or he'll answer the phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is before he came on board. And so... When you end up with a case like this, it is not uncommon for it to eat up like eight hours of a day. Oh, shit. I mean, homicides will take up so much fucking time. Mm. And that's something that I don't feel like you get a feel for on television because it's like television doesn't adequately express, along with a million other things, it's just that things take forever. Yeah, yeah. And so I've told detectives that it's like, do not call me until the body's ready to move. Because, uh-huh. I, I mean, they have to get crime scene people out there. They have to get the detectives yeah. out there. Sometimes the DA will come out. Oh, and then they have to get warrants. And then they have to do all this. They have to wake up a judge. And it's like, it honestly, it will take sometimes anywhere from 8 to 10 hours before they call me and say, Holy we shit. are now ready for you to move the body. Holy wow. Shit. And until then, the body's just laying there. Yeah. Because they have jurisdiction of the scene, but I have jurisdiction of the body. And so... Until they are ready to actually start like rolling the body over, you know, taking a look at them, things like that. It's, it takes forever. Um, anyway, so Henry gets this call and what's weird about it is nobody really knows yet if there is a dead body. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens is somebody calls the police and says, Hey, my buddy is trying to get me to help him dispose of a dead body. Oh my fucking god! Oh <laughs> my god! And and uh, one because- good on that dude for calling <laughs> right? you guys and being like, "Hi, um, so my friend just told me this," and I was like, "Cool, cool, cool." Like, just give me like four minutes to put on shoes, and I'll like totally meet you. And be like, "Hi, my friend told me the fucking dead body." <laughs> And is well, trying to get me as a pitch as an accessory. Is. And I this. What the fuck? Yeah, and so the cops are like, fascinating. Tell us more. Yeah. And, and so the, the guy basically says, he's just like, yeah, my friend is like, and again, this I was not on this call. And so my recollection of Henry's telling of this story is a little weird. Um, and, and so I don't have all the details, but apparently like this guy like want, calls his friend is like hey i need you to help me dispose of this dead body and this guy is just like yeah dude whatever and so he calls the police and says hey from what i understand this guy has this body in the trunk of his car <gasps> this is the car it is parked at this place oh my god and this is what's going on and so the cops are all like okay also part of me is like is he sending up his friend because i trust no bitch well, I'm right? like, did he do this? And did he, like, mur- he murdered the person? And he's like, oh, I and think so, my friend is trying to get and the thing is, body. The, the, the car is, um, I believe that the car was registered to, to, the, to the perpetrator, shall we say. Sure. There's okay. the friend and the perpetrator. Okay. And so the police go out to where this car is parked. 
And they're like sniffing around it. They're like, what is going on here? And so then they have to wait to get a warrant so they can get into the car. And as they are getting into the car, another car pulls up and the perpetrator pops out. (gasps) And the perpetrator's just like, hey, guys, I think that they're waiting for the warrant to come through. And they're just like camping on this car. And the perpetrator's just like, what's going on? And they're like, is this your car? And he's like, maybe. And they're like, okay, well, we're getting a warrant to... uh, Look inside of it. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to be at my parents' house. Bye. <laughs> and he, he fucks off. You know, he's, right. he's gone. And um, they finally get the warrants and they pop the trunk and there's a suitcase in the back of the trunk. And lo and behold, there is a dead body in the suitcase. <gasps> and they're just like, fuck. Oh, oh my God. My fuck. Somebody look at that. And so, um, and the thing is, is he was rolling up and getting out of his car with like a bunch of tarps and shit like that. Oh, <laughs> oh my dude. god! Like, what? It's like you roll up and the cops are like there. And he's got just... the duct tape and the hefty bag. Like, <laughs> totally. Oh, this is like, oh, uh, <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> and so, what happens is, um, I mean, they know it's him, and it like leads to this chase and so on and so forth. And he was not a very good criminal, but the body sure. had been dismembered. <gasps> This guy, he had done all of these things in an attempt to, um, in an attempt to disguise the identity of this dead body. Sure. He carved out the tattoos. Ooh, shit. And he, like, cut the fingertips off. Yeah. Cut the head off. Cut the head off, yeah. Fuck. And... it then. Girl. Because he was not the brightest criminal ever. Yep. Did he, he have all, did he have all of that on him? Oh, no, he had. Like, he cut all of this stuff off and threw it in the bag with the rest of the body. What, dude? That's <laughs> the second dumpster. That works. And oh so it was just like you are not a great criminal. And so I mean, they 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 go on this whole chase with this guy, and nobody knows where the head is. Oh my god. And and it's just like, oh my god, where the fuck is the head? Um and. They chase him around, and he ends up in, like, this sort of suburban neighborhood area, and he's running through, like, this green belt where there's this pond, and he, you know, the cops are bearing down on him. He decides, I'm not going to jail! And so he tries to kill himself and fucks it up, and so he can't... He gets not nailing it. Yeah, he gets taken to the hospital, and he's still alive, and he will not give up the head. He won't tell anybody where the head is. To this day? Stay tuned. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. And so this is this is where my experience with this story comes in. Takes place. <gasps> How oh exciting. Oh my god. Amazing. Um I had gotten divorced recently and or not recently, but I was I was divorced and was attempting to date again. Mm-hmm. And so it's like in it it's the weirdest thing where it's like you're working this bizarre job, but at the same time you're also trying to date. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're just like I'm sure how to have these conversations with people you know it's like you have these moments where you're just like I don't know how to connect to people in a normal way you know it's like I don't know how to have conversations that other people have yeah and I mean there was this one time I don't think it's in here but I was I was dating this guy and we had gone out for like pizza and beer or something like that and he goes to kiss me and his breath smelled (gasps) like a dead person and I was just like, and it was, I don't even know, like, yeah, the, yeah. the, the combination of what we had been eating and drinking was such that, and he goes to try to kiss me and I like, Oof. just that visceral, like automatic response of, of, of nope. dead, 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 don't touch Oof. me. 
And I, I could not figure out how to explain to him that. Yeah, his, how do you say that? Your breath smells like a dead person. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> I really like you. I'm leaving now. <laughs> and so. I mean, I don't think there's a nice way to say yeah. that. There, yeah, yeah. And I. That didn't, didn't last long. Anyway. <laughs> um, so this was a blog post in, in tying in with all of that called Working the Weird. App dating is weird. Very weird. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's no other word for it except for maybe dismal or possibly tragic. <laughs> Never is human nature more painfully on display than on Tinder or mm. Bumble or Match or fucking coffee meets bagel for Christ's sake. All of which I have attempted to use in the aftermath of my divorce, which was over three years ago now. Three years. Jesus Christ. My ex-husband got himself into another committed relationship less than two weeks after our divorce was finalized. (gasps) Fuck him. (laughs) He buried his dysfunctional (laughs) head in that woman's lap while the anthropomorphized corpse of our marriage was still twitching. And as far as I know, he's still there. It stung a bit, but namely because he claimed he was still trying to work things out with me while he was doubtless cultivating another bed to lie in. Mm. Honestly, she's welcome to him. I certainly don't miss having custody of an overgrown adolescent whose life revolved around binge-watching Netflix every night and pouting about being asked to vacuum the goddamn carpet. Anyway, since then I've had a handful of relationships, I think maybe four or five. It's been kind of a shit show, but mostly because I've had to overcome my habit of staying in unhealthy situations for no other reason than I felt obligated not to hurt anyone's feelings. Or I just couldn't cope with another breakup. Mm. A few of those relationships were the result of dating apps. The weirder ones. For example, one dude I dated didn't have a car. I didn't think much of it. I live in Hippieville, USA. Lots of people don't have cars around here because they don't believe in capitalist fossil fuel consumer culture. Whatever. But about a month in, it came up that he also didn't have a license. Mm. When I probed a bit further, he admitted that instead of a license, he had a DUI. Oh, Oh, no. Yeah. Dumbass. He should have known better than to be demure with that information because once I sense I'm being told a half-truth, I turn into an 11th century inquisitor. Fuck yeah. (laughs) A few phone calls and an internet search later, and I had collected seven different mug shots of my (gasps) new suitor. One of which was for domestic violence. Oh my god. There you go. There it is. Another guy I went out with neglected to mention that he was a polyamorous, sex-positive dominant, Mm, which is his multisyllabic way of saying he wanted to fuck anyone and everyone that moved. He would have fucked a shrub if he thought there was a chipmunk in it. (laughs) Naturally, he didn't tell me any of this until after the sixth date, you know, after my affection had begun germinating with all the vengeance of a spring cottonwood tree. Now, I don't have any judgment towards the poly community, and I think people should enjoy sex with whatever consenting party they choose. However, the way that this dude went about it felt pretty underhanded bait and switch, and his sex drive was so prolific that he would sometimes shame me for wanting to go to sleep. But I liked him, so I agreed to give the whole open relationship thing a whirl and lasted exactly one week. (laughs) I remember looking at him while we were having sex the last time, his eyes closed and his head kicked back like a baby bird gobbling shadows off the ceiling. I could be anyone right now, and it wouldn't matter, I thought to myself. He wouldn't even notice. The thought was as relentless as a car alarm. Yet another dude met me for drinks and literally talked about his divorce and custody battle for three hours straight. (gasps) I mean, if that doesn't get you wet, I don't know. (laughs) Three hours straight. Oh my god. My attempts to direct the conversation to literally 
anything else were ignored. He could not be steered off those rocks. I should have charged him $150 and taken notes. Right? <laughs> Still another invited me out for drinks and showed up 45 minutes late. Mm. I would have gone home, but for the fact that while I was waiting at the bar, I made friends with the most marvelous gay man who was blithely drunk and began referring to me as his ivory wench. Yes! <laughs> when my date finally did arrive, he didn't even bother to buy me a drink. And he yammered on in a self-important matter about the lack of masculinity in our town. Ew. Yeah, a few weeks later, without any contact in between, he texted me, quote, busy tonight, quote. Is because that the new you up? I, yeah, I guess, what? you know, yeah, apparently modern masculinity can't be bothered with complete sentences. Fuck you. I didn't respond. Uh, there was one dude that I was really excited about. We had a lot in common, and he was very sweet and generous and obviously super into me. I was on cloud nine about him right up until he told me that he was still married. Oh. <laughs> Technically still married. They hadn't lived together for a while, but the paperwork hadn't been filed or anything, and it's not like there were kids involved, nor was there a complicated settlement to argue over. He and his wife simply hadn't bothered to make it official. Mm. When I asked him if it occurred to him at all that maybe he ought to take care of that whole divorce thing before he started dating, he stared at me blankly. No, he said. That's when I knew we were on different wavelengths. Specifically, I was on the don't start dating until you're actually divorced wavelength. Mm. And in between these more painful and ridiculous experiences, there was the array of average non-starts that sort of characterized the indolent buffet of faces that flips past us in the new left or right swiping dystopia. It reminded me of sitting around flicking away at an empty cigarette lighter. With each dry scrape of the flint that failed to spark, I became less and less hopeful about my chances. Oh, sure, every now and then something seemed to catch, a playful conversation, a tangy flirtation that hinted at a date, but they rarely unfolded into an actual invitation. On the rare occasion that I actually did meet someone for coffee or a drink, I would find myself overwhelmed with ennui and dread before I even left my house. Fortunately, I'm a deputy medical examiner, and in any terrible situation where everyone is miserable, I have home court advantage. I was going to meet a guy. Or should I say, another guy. He'd been floating around my Bumble account for a few rotations, and I hadn't really made a decision on him. His profile said he was Middle Eastern, and he appeared attractive enough. And since I hadn't been brutally disappointed in almost a week, my faith in the human race had regenerated enough to make me inexplicably optimistic about a coffee date. We had agreed to meet up for a non-committal test drive at a local Starbucks in my county, which was not only low pressure, but also well lit. And I knew that at any given moment the neighborhood would be teeming with my esteemed law enforcement colleagues if I found myself needing backup. Not only that, but if I ended up having to break the dude's arm, I knew that my people would nix the assault charge and take my side. Yeah, there you go. Of course, I failed to consider one of the drawbacks of meeting someone for a date in my jurisdiction. That drawback being, I know way too much about any given location. Mm -hmm. Seriously, whenever I drive down the main drag, I'm compelled to take my passengers, either living or dead, on a guided death tour. I'll point out which hotels had the most suicides, which corner was the location of a grisly three-car pileup, which house is populated by overdosing crackheads. So when I pulled up to the Starbucks, I was compelled to note that the coffee shop was located right next to a park that boasts a man-made pond with a rather dubious history. Mm. Specifically, we think there's a human head in it. <gasps> Quick recap. 
some drug dealing dude killed someone over a money dispute or something like that. We're really not sure. Anyway, once the deed was done, he was faced with the age old problem of how to dispose of a body. I'm not going to tell you what he should have done because I don't want to be responsible for your delinquency. I will, however, tell you that he did it wrong. Our knuckle-dragging friend decided that the best way to get rid of this body would be to dismember it, as smaller pieces would theoretically be easier to hide, transport, and discard. While the logic here was sound, the criminal mastermind really shot himself in the foot when he called a friend for assistance in disposing of the victim. The friend decided that he wanted no part of this debacle, cashed in his gangster card, and called the police. Shenanigans ensued that I won't detail here. Suffice to say that the body was discovered, identified, and the perp was arrested while attempting to flee from the police in the aforementioned park. Of course, you'll note that I said the body was discovered. In reality, only most of the body was discovered. The killer had apparently been watching a lot of the forensic files or something and decided that he needed to remove the decedent's hand, carve out the tattoos, and remove the head to prevent the police from being able to identify them. Of course, once again, Moriarty here totally fucked himself because while the head and fingertips were never found, it doesn't really help to carve out someone's tattoos when you just take that epidermal tissue and throw it right back in the same goddamn bag with the rest of the body. Dumbass. Anyway, as I pulled up for my more or less blind date, I noted that the pond was being drained, and I remembered I'd gotten an email from local detectives alerting us to the possibility that the dead person's head was in there, having allegedly been chucked into the pond while the killer was running from the police. In the email, they wanted to give us a heads up <laughs> that the draining process would take a while and they would let us know if and when they found anything. As I walked into the Starbucks, I noted that the pond was almost two-thirds empty, and soon we'd know if the wayward noggin was to be recovered. Not the typical way to walk into a date. <laughs> but whatever! I breached the front door and charged in, determined to be outgoing and charming and optimistic and shit. Like so many app dates before him, this guy grievously overestimated a great many things about himself. For starters, his height. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Pretty much every dude that I've actually met from dating apps has generously bolstered himself by an additional inch or two. Yep. And if this guy was 5'9", as he claimed, then I'm six foot three and I print money out of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that he overestimated was his fascination. Over the next hour, he behaved as though I was a fawning magazine journalist doing a feature story on him. He prattled on and on about his acting career, his modeling career, the screenplay he was writing. I did my best to be polite, you know, seem interested and supportive like my debutante mother trained me to be. Unfortunately, my good manners only encouraged him in his delusion that he was an irresistibly charismatic up-and-coming screenwriter. Because the next thing I knew, he was reading the opening scene of his painfully lame oh, no. action movie. No. He had it on his phone. Oh. Who the hell does that? Literally leave immediately. Yeah. And that's how I found myself staring out the window of the Starbucks, wishing I could be slogging around in the mud looking for discarded body parts with my own kind. I wasn't sure my date could even remember, remember my name, let alone anything else about me, seeing as how I could barely get a word in edgewise, and he hadn't bothered asking me anything about myself. And for the life of me, I couldn't think of an obliging manner in which to extricate myself from the conversation and take my leave. My mother's etiquette lessons never included a module on how to gracefully get the hell away from a tedious jerk who cannot hear enough of his own story. Probably because it would be considered rude. But the fact is, this is a different time, and I'm a different woman. 
I'm constantly having to remind myself that despite my sexist, puritanical, Judeo-Christian origins, it's a new day up in this bitch, and it's not my fucking job to be pleasant and accommodating. Yeah. Damn straight. So, I tossed the notion of being obliging or graceful, and I aimed right for the head. Hey, I abruptly said to my coffee companion, cutting off his monologue. Do you know why they're draining that pond? I asked him, gesturing towards the park, where something actually interesting was going on. He glanced out the window and shook his head, apparently taken aback that I had interrupted him, or maybe he was astonished to discover that I could speak at all. Who knows? Mm. They think there's a head in it. They think there's a murder victim's head in the bottom of that pond. Five minutes later, I was walking back towards my car. (laughs) (laughs) Having effectively rendered my date utterly speechless by dropping the ultimate conversational cinder block on the whole pointless endeavor. Or rather, I shouldn't say pointless. I mean, after all, I got something out of my date. No, it wasn't a cup of coffee. I had to buy that myself. After the date, I decided to completely abandon app dating. And rightly so. I just don't have the time to waste on that kind of bullshit, sitting around acting all demure and impressed and interested. Additionally, it gave me something to write about, I guess, because, hey, even tales of death and dismemberment can get a little redundant. And I imagine you guys want to hear about something equally horrifying. So here it is. Dating in 2019 is a disaster. (laughs) The only thing worse than being single is trying not to be single, and I'm starting to think that maybe I should write a fucking screenplay about this shit. Boom. Yeah. Did they find the head? So, this is where my other coworker comes in. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Apparently, um, the perpetrator was um, tried and convicted of murder, Mm -hmm. despite his shitty lawyer's desperate attempts to... I don't know. I mean, I don't even know what the defense consisted of. But um, he went to jail and we were all thinking that the head's long gone. You know, it ended up in a dumpster somewhere. It's in a fucking landfill. We have no idea. Mm -hmm. And apparently it was one of those, like, talking to some guy in jail because (gasps) these guys cannot stop talking. Keep their mouths shut. They can't keep their mouths shut. They can't stop talking about how, how, how brilliant or funny or whatever they are because some other dude... Like, contacted police from jail and was just sort of like, hey, I know where the head is. <gasps> you know, I, I remember fuck. reading a thing saying that women, one, that they do get away with murder more, but two, that if they don't and they're arrested, you don't hear anything because they shut the fuck up. Where a man just can't stop. The ego is so outrageous that they're like, you know how amazing I am? You know what I did? Blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, which I mean, whatever, ends up being better for the prosecution and for the family to have closure, but it's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So ultimately, the head was found, it was found in water, but it was found in like this weird sort of like marsh area. Mm. And my coworker was actually on duty when the head was found in the green space of his apartment complex. <gasps> Uh, Alex had been walking past the pond with the head in it. And it wasn't oh. even a pond. It was like marsh. It was yeah, like yeah, like yeah. a creek bed. He'd been walking past it for the last year. And had no idea. And nobody had any idea. Holy fuck. And so Alex was just, he comes in and he's just like, you guys, it was in my apartment complex the whole, whole time. time. And we're just like, this is so weird. So yeah, I mean, when you have a smaller agency, it's like these cases like hit everyone at some point. Yeah, you get some overlap. Yeah, that was amazing. That was crazy. Um, Sky, what, what is what's the website for your blog again? It's uh, www.deadmensdonuts.com. 
Check out her blog. Definitely follow Grace on the gram. Dead Men's Donuts. Uh, it's, so it's dead period men's period donuts. Yeah, yeah. Um, keep a lookout for her book also because, fuck, that was amazing. Uh, I just have a few more questions before I, I, we let you go and live your life. <laughs> yeah. Back to DC. <laughs> we want to keep you here forever. So firstly, what is the thing that you see in film and TV that's so wrong that just makes you want to flip a table about your job? Um, I would say people are under the impression that incredibly complicated murders happen all the time mm. and they just don't. Mm. And so what's, what's really problematic is TV would have you think that the world is teeming with serial killers sure. or yes. maniacal like murderers and everything is a complicated assassination. And... While death, I mean, I, I, I cringe to say this because I know that people are going to think it's horrible, but it's like, while death is funny, death is rarely ever complicated. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's like, we have people that call all the time and they're just like, there's no way, there's no way, no way in hell my dad died of a heart attack. No, no, no. His, his, his new wife, my stepmom, she must've killed him because she's a bitch. And so it's this idea that... Sometimes it just is a hard Yeah, sometimes yeah. just because somebody is a dick doesn't mean they're a murderer. Yeah. And you can't just go out and arrest people because you don't like them or you think that they're behaving suspiciously. Mm -hmm. I've had that conversation with a lot of people where they're like, well, well, so he, he didn't let any of us come. He didn't have a funeral or anything and he just cremated my mom. And so it's just like that's not illegal. You know, it's like, yeah. and so I have people call the office all the time claiming that, that death had happened next door, their neighbor, they're certain that the husband killed the wife and this is how they know. Mm -hmm. And they'll just list off all of this stuff that we're just sort of like, first of all, we're not the cops. We don't investigate crimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't call our office and be like, you know, this is a murder. And we're like, I can't help you. Yeah, it's just like, okay, great. You know, if, if, if you notify the cops and the cops find some compelling evidence backing this up, we'll 100% do the full treatment. But mm. the, the difficulty is that people, because we call it the CSI effect, because people see so many elaborate, complicated things on television, they assume that that's the rule as opposed to the exception. Yeah, my uh, I have a close family friend who's a a neonatal surgeon and he used to get so upset with shows like Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Like, yeah. These are once in a lifetime cases, but for some reason every week there's some crazy shit. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Grace is, you know, because the thing is, if it doesn't make for good television, the banality of mm -hmm. life and mm -hmm. death mm -hmm. is what it is. So they need to jazz it up with like, you thought it was this thing, but it's actually this thing. Yeah. 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 And it's just like, that's, you know, while those cases do happen and they are memorable, it's like they just don't happen that much. Mm -hmm. um, it's rare, in our county at least, it's rare that somebody murders somebody else and we don't know who the murderer is. Yeah. Right? I mean, for the most part, it's pretty obvious who did it. I've only, right. in my career, I think we've only had, I've only had one homicide where it's like, we don't know who did this. Okay. Uh, just one. Yeah. And it's like, I still have no idea if that's been solved or not. Wow. It's just like, hey, dead body, gunshot wounds. Anybody? Anybody? All right, I'm taking him and I'm leaving. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it just, it doesn't happen. Um, Is there like a, a case or a scene that haunts you? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's there's one that happened recently. Um, Henry and I tag teamed on this one because he had I had the first half and he had the second half, mm. and it was a. I got called to a guy who had shot himself in the head in his car in front of his house. Oh no! And I get there, and it turns out. I haven't written about it yet because I'm still processing it, but the yeah. specifics are basically that he was having sex with his foster daughter. <gasps> oh no. And, and so he was found out. And he yeah. was he was about to be found out. Ugh. And so rather than face that, he shot himself in the head. And so there's that there's that anger. That yeah. he evaded justice. Yeah. And, and never had to answer for his crimes but, or ever really be called out on them. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And there was also the frustration of how that was handled by CPS in my county. Mm, okay. Because much like the, you know, when we were talking about that girl that, you know, was pronounced dead and found to be alive at the funeral home, it's just like, let the ass covering contest commence. Yeah. You know, because it's like, who is responsible for this happening? And the really hard thing was, uh, Henry went on the girl's suicide a week later because she hanged herself a week later. And there's the realization of just knowing what we know about these people in these situations is it's like, I I'm certain that he had convinced her that a, she was a willing participant Yes, that, you know, they were in a relationship Sure. Because that's what the narrative was that CPS was, you know, that she was under the impression that they were in a relationship. They were in a, consenting sexual relationship especially if there was like an age uh gap oh he was 42 she was 18 she had right. just turned 18 right and that all of this was her fault Ugh, i have course. no doubt that they she believed it was her fault that, yeah and that was really really that's that's still really really hard and i'm still mm. really fucking pissed about it yeah it's and yeah. yeah and it's like the funny thing is i was on the scene of his suicide and I remember being told the situation and seeing her come out of the house because her caseworker was coming to pick her up mm. and seeing her come out of the house and how just destroyed she looked. Mm. And I remember wanting so badly to say something to her mm. yeah, and just wanting to like, just wanting to I'm getting emotional. <laughs> Wanting to grab her and take care of her. Yeah. And just say something to her. This is not your fault. And wanting to throw myself into the mechanisms of whatever he had started in her head and just be like, this isn't your fault. This isn't your fault. This isn't your fault. And knowing that I wouldn't be allowed to, you know, knowing that it's like, it's not your place. Yeah. And it's like, you have to stay in your lane and you're the medical examiner. You're not a, uh, a caseworker. You don't work for foster care. You're not allowed to have access to her. Mm-hmm. And knowing that I would get called down onto the mat for like injecting myself into that situation if I had said anything to her. Yeah. And 
you know, it's like I had this whole, at least he's dead, you know, at least he can't hurt her anymore. And then to find out a week later that she had killed herself, it was just like. He still managed to hurt her. Yeah. Yeah. He, he took her with him. That one still really, really sticks with me because it's like, I, I still, I can still see her face. It's like, I close my eyes. I can still see her face. And I can still see the tears on her face as she came out of the house and just the impact of how, how she was just, she was so screwed, you know, from the moment she was born, she was screwed. And she just went from this horrible situation into another horrible situation and how completely everyone failed her. That's the worst part. And it was just, yeah, that's, those are the cases where it's just like, where, I look at it and it's like, we as a society have failed. Yeah. And that sense of, I don't, I can't fix this. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no making this better. And it sucks that you have that mandatory professional distance, that even if you have that impetus to say something and want to help somebody just on a personal level, yeah, you can't really do legally that. Legally do, do that. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's, it's, it's not, it's frowned upon for you yeah. to... You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. or to like, you know, inject yourself into a different agency's business, Mm, you know, because it's like every now and then funeral homes will like say that we fucked something up and we're like, to quote Monique, who the fuck is you? Yeah. (laughs) How dare you suggest that we did something wrong? You know, how do you fucking know? You're a funeral home. Fuck you. Yeah. And so it's the same thing that it's just like the medical examiner, you know, it's like calling out CPS for fucking something up and they're just like. You don't, you know, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. And so it's like, where, where's that line? And yeah. when do you know when to cross it? And I just, I'm, I'm still just like pissed as hell. And it's yeah. hard not to, it's hard to know that you are part of a system that allowed that to happen. You know, to know that I'm employed yeah. by the same county and I work in the same building as people that missed this. Completely. Yeah. I can't imagine how hard that yeah. is. Yeah. Fuck. But there, the positives of it is that there are people like you who, if they're in the system, then they can change the system from within, hopefully. I, I don't know. I mean, there's part of me that's like, for like a, two weeks after that, I just wanted to go and burn the building down. Sure, <laughs> I'm yeah, like, fuck you. you. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I don't even know if it's um, poor form for me to be talking about it, but... The foster care system in America is desperately broken and really, really needs help. <laughs> yes. I don't think anyone would argue against that, yeah. honestly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there's... It's mm. heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that one sticks. Mm. That one's stuck. It might be... It might be signaling that it's time to be done with this job. Mm. Yeah. Because it's like, I think every job has an expiration date sure. and you don't necessarily need to stay in something just because you've been doing it. It's like, you don't have to keep doing what you've been doing just because it's what you've been doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Is there something that's easy to transition to? I have left? no idea. Do you maybe mainly go into teaching and I, that aspect? Or? Never, I'm just curious because I, I don't really know what the background I is don't either. Like. I don't either. You know, it's like, I don't know where you go from here. It's yeah. like, I can't work at Macy's after that. No, no, exactly. And you don't work <laughs> in an office. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's like, I I would rather eat a bullet myself than like, you know, sit in a cubicle all day long. And no, no, agreed. It's just like, who knows what you do from here? Yeah. I'm sure it's once you go back to the real world, we're not, we have no experience in dealing with any of that. Most 
people, your average person, I was going to say normal people, but your average person has no concept of what you have to deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. So to like go back to the like real world and try to like just pretend like, oh, I didn't see dead bodies on a regular basis for right. decades. Or even just like, um, it like, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to see what people are saying about like police procedure or, you know, it's like, I hear a lot of podcasts that like really come down on the medical examiner's office for screwing this up or screwing that up or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And just knowing the reality of what's going on behind the scenes and keeping your, yeah. yeah, And not getting in like a a throw down fist fight over it. Yeah. Or it's just sort of like, look, there we've we've got three people for a population of almost 700,000. That's crazy. It's like, we are doing our level best. And if you want something to change, you need to vote differently. And you need to like petition your like county administrators and local government to, you know, redistribute where the resources are going here. Because it's just like, there aren't enough people. Yeah. Um, And you probably need to start encouraging kids to get into that and kind of remove the stigma from working in like the death field, like you said, as this sort of like morbid thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have read that basically once the mortality rates decreased and we stopped waking people in our homes, death no longer became a normal part of life in the United States. It's true. And now it's just this thing that's like icky and we don't talk about it because it makes us feel a certain way as opposed to like, this is just a part of life and this is a thing that you deal with every day. So, so things like going into the death industry are very taboo yes. as opposed to like, there were people dying all of the time. Well, you yeah. You had kids knowing that you were going to lose half of them. You always waked people in your home. That's why there was the... You um, typically dealt with the body of your family members. And you would yeah. 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 in your backyard. And that's why there's the, the rebrand of, because you would wake your loved ones in the parlor and there was a rebrand of turning it into the living room. Because it's no, the parlors were where we waked the dead. Mm-hmm. Now we don't do that anymore. It's a living room for the living people. And and that's, I'd say that that's, you know, on a more deeply philosophical level, that's mm-hmm. one of the issues that I have with, um, not necessarily Hollywood, because it's like, I mean, I understand that, you know, it's, it's interesting you know i mean obviously i listen to your podcast and so it's like hey i think you know serial killers and true crime are interesting yeah but it's like death is a form of entertainment sure and so when it happens when it actually like happens to you as a person it happens to somebody in your life it feels almost invasive that it's just sure. sort of like, how could this happen? How could this happen? Mm. And we answer that phone call a lot. How could this happen? How could this happen? How could this happen? And we're like, look, does. there yeah. was no other way that this story was going to end. Why don't you understand that? You know, yeah. you're just like, and my, my biggest gripe with humanity is just that people live as though they and their loved ones are always going to be there. And they get like really wound up on stupid shit and don't. It's kind of the grief process. Now it's denial. Yeah. 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 But it's It's like, like, yeah, my, my, there's no way that they, they never did drugs. So how is it? Clearly there's something you did wrong if you found drugs in their system. Exactly. Oh my God. I get that one a lot. Yeah. And they had a whole separate life that you weren't a part of that maybe you didn't know everything. Or like you saw things and you just turned a blind eye because you just didn't want to live in reality. And that happens a lot. And it's, and I see it peripherally just seeing interactions with people and how people behave. So I can only imagine you as your job being like, Hey, 
this is actually what the situation was. And then being like, they never had a drink in their life or they never did drugs. It's like, cool, cool, cool. Except that the toxicology report shows that that's a thing that I think about a lot with the, there's something wrong with Aunt Diane documentary. <gasps> yes. That the, uh, if you're not familiar with this case, it's this uh, woman who was driving her niece and nephews and very sudden, like they had, they had spent the day together. She stopped in a, like a gas station. Oh, I think I heard about this. Yeah. It's very well known. And she like, and she has her, her niece and nephews in the car and she's going, driving erratically, going the wrong way on the highway that one of them calls her parents saying there's something wrong with Aunt Diane. And it's, and basically she got into head on collision and all of them died. And then the toxicology report came back saying that she had drug and alcohol in her system and her family and, and um, the head on collision uh, killed. killed the other, yeah. the other people in the other vehicle. So the other family, the yeah. other family. It's very sad. It, and the thing is, is that the toxicology report came back and it showed uh, weed and, and insane amounts of alcohol, alcohol in her system. And her family is fighting it tooth and nail saying she never drank. She never did this, but what, and it's like, but the thing is, is that the facts are the facts and you're actually disrespecting the other family that died and your nieces and nephews that died because of this. It's a bummer that maybe you didn't know, but now you know. And, mm-hmm. and you're disrespecting the memory of these other people by fighting tooth and nail saying that the, the medical examiner did something wrong. When like... And I think she had like a dental pain or something. And, yeah. Because they were like, oh, she, yes. never, she never drinks. And it was like... Right, but she had something that was so painful that she was literally like, they believe she was self-medicating herself to try to get through. Well, not even that. What they're, what the family's saying is that the abscess of the dental issue caused the toxic, the toxicology report to do like a false positive. Yeah. Okay, that's not a thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Your exactly. abscess is full of oxycodone. Yeah, like no. <laughs> You're generating oxycodone. You're generating marijuana and like a liter of vodka. Like no. No. And that's a bummer to find that out, but it's also disrespectful as fuck to the people who suffered as a result of you not knowing this about your partner. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and also just like on a more just fundamental level, it's like people have outsourced so much of the human experience. Yeah. And, absolutely. and so, right. so it's just like, look, you're going to die. Yeah. yeah. Your family is going to die. Your friends are going to die. It's like, this is all going to happen. And it's like facing that, facing that reality instead of just anesthetizing yourself out of it. Yeah is going to lead to more meaningful experiences and more, more, yeah, more, more, more rewarding, um, relationships. And, you know, it just, it's sad to me that I just, I see so many people that have essentially just piddled away their life on getting drunk, watching TV, you know, just, eating, eating shit, you know, just, just, yeah, it's like, they're not living, they're just existing. And then when their life is over, it's like, everyone is astonished as though it was some huge joke that was played on them that this wasn't going to last forever. Yeah. And that I think is what has, this job has really impressed upon me as it's just sort of like, 
Remember Admittedly, like as as we've talked about, it's like I'm obsessed with death. It's just sort of like okay, when like I'm in my hotel room, I'm like okay, you know, and <laughs> looking around, going, is the door locked? You know, it's like is 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 all of this happening? Because it's like I'm acutely aware of, you know, sometimes people die when they're traveling, and then their family members have to figure out where's their stuff. You know, where's and have to go and pick up their things at the hotel, and then they have to like find their rental car, and it's. And so it's just like these are the things that I'm suddenly aware of. Is that would it's never like, occur to me. yeah, yeah, the it's like the logistics of, yeah, the logistics of else. death is yeah. very weird. And when um, when my husband and I were dating and we decided to buy a house together, we realized because of our jobs, it's like we should, even though it's like okay, well, we know we want to get married, but we should probably do it now rather than later because my husband's a cop which means that the likelihood, especially these days, you know, that something bad could happen to him is increased. And if he dies and we are not legally married in our state, I don't get to go to his funeral. What? Yeah. Yeah. His legal next of kin would be his kids and their mom, his ex-wife is their guardian, which means I have no say. Wow. And so it's like, as his wife, I'm his legal next of kin, which means that okay. then his estate... You could be at the hospital. Yeah. You could be... Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, like, they can shut you out. Yeah. And it's like, these are the things that we have to deal with. And so it's just sort of like being aware of the reality of death and being aware that it can happen, it will happen, and how how do you live in a way that acknowledges that at all times, but doesn't, you know, you're not obsessed with it. Sure. And I think that that's something that people really need to kind of like reinvest in. That it's just like, hey, you know what? That rough conversation that you need to have with your friend, maybe you should do it now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, that 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 you know that apology that you really need to give to someone. You've been cutting off for a year. Yeah, yeah and like, you, that you feel like, oh, that was shitty. I probably shouldn't have done that. Maybe you should do it now. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like there's there's. Tick, 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 tick. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. it's coming and I don't want that to scare you and I don't want you to be obsessed with it, but you need to honor that your life is going to end. Mm. Yeah. Jumping, I guess, off of that, uh, the last question I have is, is there anything you wish people knew about your job and what you do that they just don't? I can think of all kinds of funny answers to that. <laughs> like, I don't sign your death certificate, so don't call me and complain about what's on there. <laughs> um, Do you wish more people would get into your job? Your I wish. Industry? I wish more people. I wish people would <laughs> stay in touch with their families. <laughs> um, I wish people would walk around with their name, date of birth, and social security number in their pockets at all times. Uh, um, I'm sure that would be very helpful. Yeah, yeah, it would be super helpful when they get hit by a car. Um, it's like, which is one of my biggest irrational fears. I mean, to be so. fair, you won't feel a thing, honestly. I hope so. Thank <laughs> you for telling me that. That actually consoles me so much. I can't even express to you. <laughs> I actually keep my social on me all the time because... Uh, Your non-laminated piece of paper that's so important. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, because, because I would... I would do these one-off acting jobs pretty regularly. Right, right, right. And I'd constantly be having to fill out my I-9. Right, and right. And they need... A copy of a, it. Not a copy. They need the, the physical... Yes. The fucking one? They need the physical one. So I always have it on me. So now I know I'm a medical examiner's dream. There you go. Right? 
I got my social. I got my my ID. I got my credit cards on me all the time. Please do not get hit by a car on the way. Get hit by a car. I will really be upset, Monique. Would be suboptimal for sure. So, um, I guess, ah, God, there. I mean, there's the reality. You know, there's the. I wish people knew that medical legal death investigators were out there. Mm, because okay. because you know we're not really represented in media. Yeah. You know, it's like you see the doctors at the um, at the autopsy. Yeah. And you see the police, and so what people don't seem to understand is there's this this weird little profession in between there that it's like we do so much. It's like we do so much stuff. Like um, a lot of times we we. We secure the dead person's belongings. We locate the next of kin. You know, mm. we we talk to the funeral homes and like we work as an wow. intermediary between the funeral homes and the organ donation and the hospitals wow. and the, the forensic pathologists yeah. and the doctors and the detectives. And it's like, there's so much that we do that kind of gets absorbed by other roles in TV. Yeah. And so it's mm. like when I watch CSI, so much of what they're doing in that show is actually my job. And so much of what the detectives are doing is actually my job. Right. And, and so it's just like there's there's this unknown profession that's like quietly running things underneath the surface of all of these people that you see. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're kind of this unknown character. <laughs> so it's like I just I wish people knew that we existed because they don't. Um, that's so interesting that almost like never would have occurred to me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and that's up. well I now hope they make a show based on your book because <laughs> yeah maybe amazing. I don't know but it's yeah. like it's we we tend to kind of fly under the radar because I have this theory that it's like if people know that we were there you fucked up we fucked up yeah. it's because we did something okay. wrong yeah yeah um because it's like you know the family they're they're losing their minds you know they're so sad they've got all they have to answer all these questions and blah 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 and so it's like they see us they assume that we're the police or they assume we're one of the detectives they don't really know who we are and that's a good thing also you know it's like we're not really allowed in in respect for the people that we take care of like our decedents and their families we don't talk a lot about what we do and i think that that's kind of a disservice because it it further removes people from death and it further removes people from the reality of what happens when someone dies and i feel like our our profession needs some exposure Mm. um and also just i really wish that people would like i said i just i just i don't want people to be scared of death and i want people to acknowledge it and live their lives as though they know that they're going to end at some point. Mm -hmm. And so those are like the big things that it's just like, know that we're there and know that you're not going to last forever. And life is funny Mm. and death is funny, which is really weird to say, but it's like, sometimes it's like, you have to laugh. You have to laugh. And I always say you might as well laugh at death because God knows he's laughing at you. And so (laughs) it's like, yeah, it's, something that needs to be paid more attention to. Grace? Yes. You're so fucking amazing. <laughs> amazing. Thank you so much for so coming much for out having. today. Oh my god. It's such this a dream to be here. Oh my god. It's <laughs> a dream amazing. Yeah. Guys, if you don't already, please follow Grace on Instagram at Dead Men's Donuts. Dead period men's period donuts. Check out her blog where you get 
fucking rad as fuck stories like the ones that she read for us today www.deadmensdonuts.com correct yep yep and please don't i i i do like i i i laugh at death a lot because that's a coping mechanism for us yeah and i always feel like you know if you have finer sensibilities and you're easily offended please don't read it because it's like i i I hate it when people are just like you're laughing at other people's pain and i'm like no not really. Yeah. I'm just kind of like it's a defense mechanism. Yeah, yeah it's a defense mechanism. So All just those horrible things just, I see. Yeah, it's like please don't send me nasty grams about how I'm a sociopath. Cause no, no. Well, that might be true. I don't need to hear it again. <laughs> so and, uh, definitely be on the lookout for Grace's book that is going to be dropping either this sometime in the next year. It's like we'll wait and see. I'll let you guys. I'll send you. Yeah, one. of course. Let us know and then we'll we'll promote right. it on the show. Hell yeah. Um, Grace, we're obsessed with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for everything. (laughs) Thank you guys for being amazing and for listening to us. Please follow us on the gram if you don't already at another fucking horror podcast. You can find me at Pinapromo. You can find me at Lobotomy, and that's Lobot period Amy. If you want to send us an email or also let us know about your weird, creepy whatever the fuck stories we just did some hotel stories creepy hotels creepy and simulations fucking won all of them yeah. amy still needs her her alien story oh yeah okay. come through you can email us i haven't bothering anybody about it but yes i still want it for yeah she absolutely still wants it <laughs> so um please email us at another fucking horror podcast with a period instead of the you and fucking and guys as always keep it cute keep it creepy bye, bye.